please turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Yes, we are back in the book of James and we're doing wisdom. And uh, we're picking up where we left off last time. I'll do a quick review. But let me begin by reading verse 5. James chapter 1 and verse 5. Remember the apostle James uh, is tying this verse to the previous verse. Uh, I don't know if you remember the previous verse. Let me just find it very quickly. Where he said, but let patience have its perfect work. work. This is in James 1, 4 now. Uh, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And now he says, if any of you lacks wisdom. <laughs> All right. So he says, you should be lacking nothing. However, if you do lack wisdom, he says, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally uh, without reproach, and it will be given to him. And remember again, it says with an open hand. Now, we went and looked at the parallel verses in Matthew chapter 7 on the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus was actually um, teaching this, and when he said, ask and it will be given to you. And then in verse 11, uh, or excuse me, in verse 8, this is Matthew 7, 8, now it says, for everyone who asks receives. And then in verse 11, uh, it goes on to say the way that God gives, and that is how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask. Now, that's the same as James saying who gives to all liberally. Amen? If you lack wisdom, if you ask, God gives you liberally. He, in, in Jesus' words, how much more? Okay, he'll just give you so much more than you ever asked for. Um, praise God. Now, Remember, we went and looked at Isaiah. This is just a quick catch-up, all right? In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 21, uh, where it says, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Because there are some people that, remember again, James is saying that you need to decide, you know, that you do need wisdom, that you need to come to the conclusion that you don't know everything. <laughs> Okay, I know we like to be independent, and I know, you know, we like to do all things our way, but can I give you a little piece of advice? God knows more than you. He's been around a little bit longer than you have, <laughs> all right? And he knows so much more, and he's, he is not stingy with his wisdom. He just says, ask, and I'll give it to you. All we need to do is ask. But for those people that just say, well, you know what? I don't need God. I don't need all that stuff. Uh, in Isaiah 5 and verse 21 in uh, the New Living Translation, it says, Destruction is certain for those who think they are wise and consider them to be uh, themselves to be clever. So we looked at that last time, and I want you to notice it says that destruction is certain. So, you know, God is saying, you know, God is inviting us to come and ask Him for wisdom. God is saying, you know, if you lack wisdom... Talk to me. I'll talk back to you. <laughs> all right? Yes, that's what prayer is about. All right? A part of what prayer is about. And that is talking to God. Um, and remember again, we finished um, around this area where R. Kent Hughes, I really like his quote. I want to just reread it to you if you don't mind. It says, uh, he says that wisdom is far more than the accumulation of knowledge, information, and intellectual perception. The fact is, man... Uh, through his vast accumulation of knowledge, has learned to travel faster than sound, but displays his need for wisdom by going faster and faster in the wrong direction. Really love that, okay? Man has, man has amassed, he goes on to say, a huge store of information about the world, but shows his abysmal lack of wisdom by failing to live any better in the world. Uh, that, that was a tremendous quote. So for all those who realize that they don't know everything, Hello. All right. And recognize that as much as they think they know, there's still much more that they don't know. The Apostle James again graciously says in James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he goes on to say, 
let him ask of God. So once you determine and realize that you do need wisdom, then the next step isn't to sit there and go, I'm dumb. <laughs> okay? The next step is to say, listen, I need to ask God. Praise God. And uh, this, this is a tremendous thing because this wisdom that is re- being requested is literally God's wisdom. You are not going to just get natural wisdom. You are going to get God's own wisdom, meaning that it is, it is divine in origin And it is a wisdom that is actually referred to in Job chapter 28. We looked at this last time. This is where we left off. Uh, And I've left off in a bit of a hurry there. So I want to go back over that and then move forward from this point on. Uh, In Job chapter 28 and verse 20, it says, Where then does wisdom come from? Job is asking a question now. He is, you know, he's at the point where he's saying, All right, can I add a few words to this? Okay, I'm not adding the Bible, but I just want to make it a bit clearer. He's literally saying, where does real wisdom come from? You know, I, I believe that Job was listening to a lot of people, and they were all saying different things. Have you had that happen? You know, you've got a problem, and everybody's got an opinion. <laughs> you know? Okay? And so you ask, you ask one question, you get ten answers back, and then people get a little upset if you don't use their answer. You know, and they, they sort of say, well, I told you to do this, and you went and did that. Uh, you know, it can get very difficult. And can I also say this? Every answer will be flawed in some way. There'll be something wrong with it. Because it's not coming directly from God. Do you understand? Amen? Now, that's not to say you don't listen to people. Because it does say in, the, you know, in a multitude of counselors there is wisdom. But you need to listen to a lot. You, know, you really need to hear the voice of God through whatever anybody is saying. Don't ever stop at what a person says. Go to God with what people say to you. And you know, thank God for those people that are around that can advise you. But take everything to God and ask Him, Lord, what is right? And you might find, and generally, you'll find that a bit of everyone, you know, something that this person said and that person said, God will just knit it together and say, that's what you need to do. Amen. Hallelujah. So getting back to this, you know, he says again, where then does wisdom come from? Job is asking a very uh, pertinent question here. He's sort of saying, there is a wisdom down here, but where does real wisdom come from? Where does it come from? You know, all these, all these people that sit there with, you know, legs crossed and everything, they're all looking for wisdom, you know. Everyone is looking for wisdom some way, somehow. And uh, if you're one of those that cross your legs, I'm not I'm picking on you or anything. But I'm just saying that's generally, you know, kind of what we think of. But again, everyone is looking for wisdom. And Job is saying, listen, where is real wisdom? Because you can, you, you can hear a lot of people's opinions and ideas and thoughts and philosophies and everything else. And that's all they are, family. They are natural. They are human. They are down here. They are carnal. All right, what we want is divine wisdom. And that's what he's asking. He says, where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living creature. I talked to you about this before, that nobody down here actually can find it. All right, and he'd say it's concealed from even the birds of the air. Verse 22, destruction and death say only a rumor of it has reached our ears. I want you to notice, destruction and death, you know, that comes from the devil, all right? Okay, destruction and death says we've only heard rumors of it, all right? That there is a rumor that there is this kind of divine wisdom around. Verse 23, God understands the way, of, way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. Now, that is, that is a key verse. Notice he says, God understands the way to it. And he alone, I want you to hear those words again. I know I said this to you before, but notice the words he alone, he alone, he alone. Not, you know, a jack down the street and, and uh, Gunavardna down the road. <laughs> okay, I'm giving you a Sri Lankan name. All right, but okay, it says only God knows this. Now, they may have PhDs and all kinds of, you know, letters after their name, but 
Can I just say, if God ever put all the letters after his name about what all he knows, there won't be room enough, <laughs> okay? Because he created everything. All the stuff that we discover and we think we're so smart, he actually put it into motion. All we do is discover things that he already created. Anyway, getting back to this. And again, he's, it, it says, um, back in Job 28, 23, it says, God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where he dwells. He alone knows where he dwells. He knows where he dwells, all right? And it says, verse 24, for he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. Hallelujah. Notice that God isn't blind. See, God isn't in the dark. We, a lot of times, are stumbling around in the dark trying to find answers, but God sees everything. Everything is plain. There is nothing that eludes him. Hallelujah. Amen. He knows everything. All right, so this is the wisdom that James says we should ask God for. And why John MacArthur says that God and God alone is the source of wisdom. And he goes on to say that it was this truth that caused Paul to pray to God for believers. This is very exciting. For believers to be granted wisdom, knowledge, and enlightenment in Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, as well as discernment, that's in Philippians 1.9. I'm going to read you those verses. Uh, and, and he says that that is also James' point. All right? So remember again that uh, the Apostle Paul, I was going to skip over this and go to the next thing, but I read that and I thought I really need to, <laughs> I need to share that with you because I pray these things. All right? And anyway, it says, uh, Ephesians 1.17 and 18, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I could preach on these verses a long time, all right? But I want you to notice something here, that you, the Apostle Paul prays that you receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You know, there's a spirit of wisdom. This is the Holy Spirit that you receive that spirit of wisdom, that you receive that wisdom from God. Hallelujah. And again, also that your, the eyes of your understanding are enlightened. You know, we should be living enlightened lives. We should, you know, we are, everything that we do should come from a, a place of enlightenment. All right? Not from a place of darkness, not from a place of we don't know what to do, but a place where we are, you know, people should look at us and say, these are an enlightened group. <laughs> okay? I mean, we should have wisdom that is uncommon, that is divine, the things that people wouldn't even think to do. Praise God, because it comes from God. And it should be a wisdom that, you know, once we speak it out, then comes into this earth. Not that we go looking for stuff that's, you know, that, that's kind of uh, some ancient kind of wisdom that was around that wasn't godly. Hello? Okay. But, but a God that has wisdom for the now, for the moment. That when you ask him, he'll give you a wisdom that is pertinent for you for today and the circumstances that you live in. Amen. That's what we want. Hallelujah. I told you I could preach a long time on this. Anyway, <laughs> let's continue. Now, as to what exactly this divine wisdom is, the Full Life Study Bible says that it is the spiritual capacity to see and evalu evaluate life and conduct from God's point of view. I want you to notice that he says that we have the spiritual capacity to see and evaluate life and conduct 
from God's point of view. Not from our point of view, but from God's point of view. You know, what does God think about these things? How would God approach these things? Are you all with me? Amen? You know, it's, it's, it's not about what we decide or what we, you know, allow other people to influence us into thinking, but about what God actually says. That's why it's so important, family, that you go to God about things and get His wisdom. And He will point you to His Word somewhere, somehow. Because His wisdom is in here. But there is, you know, uh, how can I put this? There is general wisdom, there is specific wisdom. General wisdom will come from God's Word, and there is plenty of it, okay? He can lead you in different ways and do all kinds of amazing things through His Word. But there's also a specific wisdom that, you know, you might have two jobs that you're trying to choose from, and that, that's not in here, okay? Uh, so, now people will argue that God might, you know, lead you to certain verses that will point you in that direction, and that He will, but again, that's the Holy Spirit leading you. Are you all with me? That's not you just reading the Bible. That's the Holy Spirit leading you some way, somehow. And so He can do that, or He can just speak to you, all right, and, and let you know, or give you a piece, uh, all right, that lets you know which direction to go in. So that's a specific wisdom. But again, that we receive this wisdom, whether it's the Holy Spirit, whether it's the Word of God, whether it's a combination of both, that we receive this wisdom from God Himself. Hallelujah. And from His point of view, not our point of view, but His point of view. Amen. And it goes on to say it involves making right choices and doing right things according to both. No, again, it involves making right choices. And doing right things. How many times have you, you know, made a decision about something and then thought, oh, I should have gone the other way? I put my hand up. <laughs> okay? Uh, you see, wouldn't it be wonderful if the choices you made were all right? Oh, hallelujah. Now, this isn't about God's ability to get things right, but our ability to hear what he's saying. Okay? Because God will always get it right. We don't always hear right. You know what I'm trying to say? Amen? That's why I always sort of say, you know, take a little bit of time to pray over things and take a little bit of time. Don't rush into things. Unless you know exactly what you want, unless God has been talking to you about it for a long time and, you know, it's, it has been settled and then it comes up and you want to grab a hold of it, that's different. But, you know, if it suddenly comes up, and you haven't had time to think about something, take time out. I don't care what people say, you know, don't rush. Only the devil pushes. God leads, the devil pushes. Always remember that, okay? All right. So getting back to this, it says again, it, it involves making right choices and doing, doing right things. So not only making the right decision and the right choice, but also doing the right thing. You know, I don't know, sometimes we, <laughs> sometimes we get in that place where we think, oh, this is a good thing to do, and we go off and do something, and oh, dear God, it just falls apart, and it's, it, it's a mess, and you know, we just think, why did I do that? Can I get an amen out there? <laughs> right? So this, this allows you to make the right choices and also do the right thing. What you, you might say, well, uh, you know, uh, doing the right thing, why should that be a problem? You know, you can do the right thing at the wrong time. It can be a good thing. So this is when I say some good things are not God things. You need to do the right thing at the right time. Then it, does, it goes from being a good thing to a God thing. You know, when people are waiting on something, when people are looking for something, and you're right there, as opposed to, you know, you think they should have something, and they're kind of going, I really don't want that, and I don't know how to tell you I don't want that without offending you. And You know, it becomes a real mess, doesn't it? All right? So, again, without getting into too much more detail than that, you know, you need to know to make the right choices and also know to do the right things as well. According to both. And again, uh, let me read this again. It involves making right choices, doing the right things according to both. 
the will of God revealed in his word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. You need both of those things operating in your life. Amen. Added to this, John MacArthur, I've, I've talked to you about that, so I'm going to move on. Added to this, John MacArthur uh, further defines wisdom as the understanding and practical skill that is necessary to live life to God's glory. I really love that, but, you know, because sometimes people think, you know, oh, you have divine wisdom. Oh, you're just in fairy ball land. You know, you're just kind of like, oh, there's glory balls, and you're just kind of floating and everything. <laughs> okay? It's not that at all. Can I just say this? You know, if you're the sort of person that thinks that's what God's wisdom is about, you kind of miss the whole point. Remember that God created all things. And because he created this thing, he knows how it works. And let me say this to you, as much as there is a spirit realm and there are spiritual things, we live in, this, in, in a body in this natural realm, and we need natural wisdom, family. And we need the kind of wisdom that is practical. Right now, you know, uh, one preacher put it this way. He said it's not just about the rubber meets the road. He says when God comes along, he lets you know what the rubber is made of and what the road is made of. <laughs> okay, and you know everything about the rubber and the road, not just how they hit together or they work together. So again, you know, that's the kind of wisdom we want from God. Insights that are un just, just extraordinary. This is the kind of wisdom I'm talking about. This is the kind of wisdom that James is saying. If you're lacking wisdom, ask God. He'll show you. He will show you things and he will show you ways of bringing in finances and bringing in all kinds of things into your life that you never dreamed of. Amen. And let me move on. Hallelujah. So it says it is not a wisdom of, he goes on to say, it is not a wisdom of philosophical speculation, but the wisdom contained in the pure and peaceable absolutes of God's will revealed in his word and lived out. I really love that, you know. He says it is not philosophical speculation. You know, it's not one of those, hmm, you know, we think, <laughs> we don't care about what you think, <laughs> right? We, what we care about is what the guy that made all of this stuff, we want to know what he says about it. We want to know what God thinks. Hallelujah. And it says, he says again, it's not a, a wisdom of philosophical speculation, but the wisdom contained in the pure and peaceable absolutes of God's will. I really like that. Pure and peaceable absolutes. You know, when I was in school, they said, oh, there's not, no absolutes. And I say, I'm sitting there thinking, uh, yeah, there is. I'm, I'm, I'm a scientist, and I know that there is something called absolute zero. So, you, you know, I don't care what people say. There are absolutes. All right? And the, the Word of God is an absolute. Hallelujah, if it's rightly divided. Amen. All right. So, do I have? Yes, I do. All right. We see an, an Old Testament example of God's wisdom in operation in 1 Kings chapter 3. This is a bit of a long thing. That's why I want to just check where I'm at. 1 Kings chapter 3. Let's go there. I've given you a lot of uh, uh, information. Let's, let's go look at an incident now. 1 Kings chapter 3. I want to begin in verse 4. I want to read through to verse 14. I told you it was a long part. All right, a long passage of scripture. It says here, now the king went to uh, Gibeon to sacrifice there. This is Solomon, by the way. Uh, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? Wow, isn't that incredible? All right. <clears throat> verse 6. I'm mean, again in 1 Kings 3 and verse 6. And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father. Before, be, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. Well, we could preach on that. 
All right, you have continued this great kindness for him. Uh, yeah, you have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Talking about himself. <clears throat> Verse 7. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of, uh, instead of my father David. Oh, in place of, okay, my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. You know, being a king, you got, there's a lot of responsibility. A lot of lives depend on you and your decisions. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he goes and says, verse 8, And your servant is in the midst of your people um, whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. You can see where he's coming from. You know, there's a concern there. Okay, and he goes and says, verse 9, he says, Now therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. Now who is he asking? He's asking God for discernment. He's asking God to show him how he can judge correctly. All right? And he says, For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Now, notice he didn't say, who is able to judge my people? He said, who is able to judge this great people of yours? He's saying, God, I'm looking after them on your behalf. These are your people. I need to do the, thing, the right thing by them and thereby do the right thing by you. Amen? And that's a, that's, that is a tremendous revelation in itself. All right, verse 10, and, and it says the speech pleased the Lord, of course it would, <laughs> that Solomon had asked this thing. Verse 11, then God, now notice how the Lord is also God, okay? The, then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, Verse 12, he says, Behold, I have done according to your words. Watch now. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart. Isn't it interesting how God speaks, calls those things that be not as though they were? Hello. Okay. Anyway. And he says, So that there, there has not been anyone like you before, like you before you. There's you twice there. Okay. Nor shall, like, uh, nor shall any like you arise after you. So he's saying you're going to be unique in this way. Verse 13, and he says, And I have also given you what you have not asked. This is beautiful. He says, Both riches and honor, so that there shall, be, uh, there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So I want you to notice that Solomon asks for wisdom. He says, Listen, God, I want the wisdom. You know, God says, Ask anything. Boy, how many people have said, well, I want a car, I want a pool, I want maybe six houses, and <laughs> a couple to rent, you know, whatever, all right? And just all of this stuff, and he didn't ask for any of those things. Neither did he say, oh, you know, that's really fantastic. Kill all my enemies so I don't, you know, I don't have to worry about any of that. Because they used to just raid, you know, back then it's not like today, okay? Some king decides he want to wake up and go raid somebody, he just does that. There's, there, there's nothing to stop them. Amen. You know what I'm trying to say? So, you know, those are the times you want to say, just kill them all, God. Get rid of them. You know, a bunch of heathens. All right? <laughs> but he doesn't do that. He says, you know what? I'm not going to ask for money. I'm not going to ask for the lives of my enemies. He's going to say, listen, what I want is wisdom from you. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. All right? He says, I just want wisdom from you. I want to know how to look after your people. I think that's tremendous. And God says, because you did that, I'm not only going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you riches and honor. You know, it's one thing to have riches. It's another thing to have honor. Amen. Think about that. Another massive series I could preach on that one. All right. And, 
almost immediately after this, there's an incident recorded in verses 16 through 28 that clearly shows this in full operation. All right, so I'm going to read now in verses 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16. Remember, we finished in verse 13. This is a couple of verses later. Verse 16, it says, Now two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. I'm going to read through to verse 28. And one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. Verse 18. Then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth. What a mess, huh? All right. And we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. So no witnesses. All right. What they, this is all on what they say now. All right. So who do you believe when there's nobody else to corroborate any story and you're going to get now two different stories? What do you do? All right. This is incredible. Verse 19. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. Verse 20. So she arose in the middle of the night, took my son from my side while your maidservant slept, and laid him in, in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. Verse 21, And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed he was not my son whom I had born. Verse 22, Then the other woman said, No! But the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is your son. Are you seeing this? These two women, okay? <laughs> is your son, and the living one is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Verse 23. And the king said, the, the one says, this is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. Have I lost anybody yet? Okay, you're still with me? <laughs> I told you this is a big passage of scripture here. Verse 24. Then the king said, bring me a sword. Now he's thought about this and he thought, okay, let's do this. He said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. What an incredible solution. He says, you know what? You both fighting over this kid? Fine. You can have half. You can have the other half. <laughs> Watch now. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> it's one of those da-da-da moments. All right? Okay. Verse 26. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. See? And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, let him neither be mine nor yours, but divide him. See? Okay? All right. So the king answered and said, give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. See, the one that was willing to say, listen, I'd much rather my child be alive with somebody else than killed. The other one, because of her, you know, venomous kind of attitude, all right, said, no, I've lost my child, so kill hers as well. That was where it was coming from. Do you understand? Amen? Misery loves company. All right? And so the king knew immediately whose, whose child this was. And you know what? Even if it was the other way around, man, this woman didn't deserve to have a kid that she was willing to have killed. <laughs> you know, one way or the other, that other woman should get it. All right. Verse 28. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered. And they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him. They didn't see natural wisdom, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Oh, hallelujah. 
Shouldn't we be the same family? Shouldn't we people look at us and see that kind of wisdom in the things that we say and in the things that we do? So this is just one example of the kind of wisdom that comes from God and which James refers to again in James 1.5 when he says there, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, uh, let, let me just go a few more minutes. In his commentary, Simon J. Kistemarker says, Giving uh, is a characteristic of God. Every time someone comes to him with a request, he opens his treasury, treasury and freely distributes wisdom, liberally or generously to all without finding fault. Isn't that beautiful? A treasury of wisdom. He just opens it up. Anybody that comes to him, he just opens up these treasures and says, what do you need? What do you want? Hallelujah. I love that picture. Uh, it's just beautiful. It just blesses me. Added to this, R. Kent Hughes writes, and we'll, con we'll conclude with this, God will pour wisdom over us without putting us down or demeaning us. Can I say it again? God will pour wisdom over us without putting us down or demeaning us. It is easy to wear out our human benefactors after they have repeatedly given to us, but not so with God. His response is, I'm so glad you asked. Here it comes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Well, let's have every head about every record. I pray that that bless you today. Let's pray and conclude. Father, we just thank you today for your word, and we just thank you, Father, for all this amazing wisdom, the wisdom and revelation that we're receiving from your word. And I just thank you, Father. I just pray for every single individual in the sound of my voice that they are receiving the wisdom that they need for the times that we are living in right now. And I just thank you, Father, that whatever need that they have, whatever, wherever they might be in the dark, so to speak, that there is wisdom from God, there is wisdom from you that will light the way. Hallelujah. Because your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I just thank you, Father, that there is nobody out there that is lacking anything, Father. Because that is exactly what James is talking about, that we lack nothing. Hallelujah. That you are a God of abundance. And whenever we ask, you always give more than enough. We just give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>